to the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast with your host, Nick Bat. Sometimes I'll start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. And Bruce Nolan. I once worked with a guy for three years and never learned his name. Best friend I ever had. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show. It is Friday. Ah, can't be a, I, the best I've been all week. That's one of my favorite little jokes, total dad joke or whatever. But every time I talk to people at work and they ask, like, how's my days going or whatever on Friday, or sometimes I ask them how they're doing and they ask me and like to be reciprocal, I always say I'm the best I've been all week because it's Friday. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get and uh, yeah, so I hope that you all are doing well, enjoying this. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T, along with me as always. Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive, and my dad jokes are not nearly as good as Nick's. Well, it's, it comes with the uh, the thick Nike Reebok sneakers. Mm, and, uh, and Yeah, the white ones. And, uh, you know, the open shirt, uh, the, the t-shirt with like a button up shirt over it. That's, that's unbuttoned to short sleeves, specifically the Hawaiian shirts. You know, who's got great dad energy is Andy Reed. Had a cheeseburger and went to bed. Oh, such, the best dad energy. Super dad energy is Andy Reed. Big time dad flex sand, like socks with sandals, all that stuff. Andy Reed is just dunking on all of us with his dad energy. Okay. Well, we're not here to talk about that, although, you know, it doesn't hurt anything. We are today going to spend a little bit of time and go through all of the position rooms. And this actually matches up with an article that you wrote for Buffalo Rumblings, Bruce. So thank you for inspiring us with the content. So you can head over there to kind of follow along with this podcast if you're interested. But we're going to go position room by position room and talk about the players that are going to be in the room as of today versus who are going to be in the room as of today, a year ago, and see if we have got any kind of change in quality. And and you've got categories, right, Bruce, that you that you put together for how we're going to evaluate these rooms and the changes within them. What are the breakdowns of the categories we're going to go by? As per usual, methodology is the first part of this, and it's important that we get on the same page methodology-wise before we move on. So a couple rules when it comes to this. The first thing is we are only evaluating talent on paper to talent on paper, okay? We are not counting any potential improvement from 19 to 20. So for example, Dawson Knox is in a vacuum. How Dawson Knox is as a player right now, we are using that as a constant from 19 to 20. We're not assuming that Dawson Knox will be better in 20 and therefore saying the tight end position will be better because Dawson Knox will be better. So that's the first rule of this. You, we could do that, but for the purposes of this exercise, we're not. The second thing is that there are seven categories here when it comes to comparing position room in 19 to the identical position room in 20. Significant upgrade, notable upgrade, slight upgrade, push, slight downgrade, Notable downgrade and significant downgrade. Those are the seven buckets where we can put these rooms in when we compare on paper the 19 position room to the 20 position room. Because really what this is, this is a Brandon Bean discussion. 
This is a how well did Brandon Bean do at adding talent to the roster or subtracting talent from the roster, as a case may be from a loss standpoint. This is not about how well the players are developing. This is not about how well the players are growing. That's a completely different discussion. This is a Brandon Bean centric discussion. And as such, those are the rules of the game. Fair enough. Let us. So you're going to assume then players who only have one year of experience, you're going to assume that they are identical to what they were last year and rookies coming in. You're going to assume whatever sort of scouting report opinion you had of them is what they actually bring to the table. Is that the assumptions we're going to run with? Yeah, this is ultimately an opinion piece. That's what this is, right? Because we're, we're, we're judging levels of talent. That is not quantifiable. This is an opinion piece, and it's based on my opinion, and my opinion is exactly how you how you laid it out. We're going to freeze those things. We're not going to say, okay, we're going to assume that Josh Allen will be better in 2020, that I'm not going to assume anything other than what I have seen from these players thus far. I'm not assuming anything. I'm not assuming they're getting better. I'm not assuming they're regressing. I'm not assuming anything. I'm assuming they are frozen in time at the information that I have available to them right now. Okay, very good. Let us start at the top of the roster with the quarterback room. So in 2019, the quarter last year, the quarterback room was Josh Allen, Matt Barkley, and Tyree Jackson. And then in 2020, it is Josh Allen, Matt Barkley, Jake Fromm, and Davis Webb. And I think maybe Davis Webb could be there last year too, right? I mean, he was on the practice squad by the end of the well, season, but he wasn't there at this time last year. So that's, oh, that's right. That's right. That's part so of the rules. I understand. Part of the rules are, you know, they, the bills released a 91 man roster immediately post draft as soon as they got up to 91 men, right? Because you have 90 plus you have Christian Wade who counts as an extra spot, right? That's the roster I'm comparing to this roster. And that's why Davis Webb doesn't count for 19. I see. Okay. Well, we got to follow the rules. Stop breaking the law. asshole! All right, so what's the verdict on the quarterback room? Slight upgrade. Tyree Jackson is not an NFL quarterback. He's not. In fact, there was an argument he wasn't even an XFL quarterback when he played in the XFL. Jake Fromm, as much as I'm not on board with the Jake Fromm pick, he might be an NFL quarterback. I said that his ceiling was somebody who has had a long NFL career in Colt McCoy. His floor is someone who's still on an NFL roster, which is Nate Peterman. That's enough for me to tip it in the favor of 2020 when you're comparing the 2020 quarterback room to the 2019 quarterback room. I give the slight edge to the 2020 quarterback room. Okay. The running back room. So in 2019, at this time, it was Marcus Murphy, LaShawn McCoy, Frank Gore, TJ Yeldon, Sonoris Perry, Devin Singletary, Pat DeMarco and Christian Wade. At this point today, it is Taiwan Jones, Reggie Gilliam, Antonio Williams, Pat DeMarco, Christian Wade, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and TJ Yeldon. What is our verdict here? I have notable upgrade for 2020. There was a question as to whether or not the Bills gave up on LaShawn McCoy too early. His season with the Kansas City Chiefs indicated that they did not give up on him too early and that they were prudent in turning to the rookie rather than keep Frank Gore and LaShawn McCoy ahead of Devin Singletary, which, if you would recall, was one of my main concerns going into last training camp was, are they going to keep Frank Gore and 
LaShawn McCoy on the field ahead of Singletary, and we're going to waste one of the years of Singletary's rookie season. In addition, if you think about the roles, Sonoris Perry was the designated special teamer on 2019's roster. Taiwan Jones is the dedicated special teamer on the 2020 roster. That's an upgrade. So Taiwan Jones is better at his role than Sonoris Perry was at his role. I think that Zach Moss will do better at the role that they asked Frank Gore to do. And Devin Singletary is just as good as Devin Singletary was. So if you think about the major swaps here, the major swaps are LaShawn McCoy out, Frank Gore out, Sonoris Perry out, Taiwan Jones in, Zach Moss in. I consider that an upgrade. I consider that a notable upgrade. Yeah, fair enough. I'm actually, I mean, I think Taiwan Jones is actually a more meaningful special teamer than Sonoris Perry too, which you may, you might say is an insignificant upgrade, but you know, who knows what the final roster is going to be at cutdown day. But I think that alone is, is an upgrade isolated amongst the rest. For sure. Wide receiver. These are, you know, everybody knows these are big rooms. Whew, so I gotta, uh, I gotta increase my lung capacity here. Let me go. Okay. So in 2019, at this point, we had David Sills, <laughs> the uh, what was it, the embedded darling, David Sills, John Brown, Andre Roberts, Cole Beasley, Zay Jones, Vic Bolden Jr., Ray Ray McLeod, Damari Scott, Robert Foster, Isaiah McKenzie, Duke Williams, Nick Easley, and Cam Phillips. As of today, we've got Stefan Diggs. John Brown, Cole Beasley, Robert Foster, Andre Roberts, Duke Williams, Isaiah McKenzie, Ray Ray McLeod, Nick Easley, Gabe Davis, and Isaiah Hodgins. Whew. Okay. What is our verdict on the wide receiver room? Significant upgrade for 2020. The main change here is Zay Jones out and Stefan Diggs in. If that's not enough to qualify a significant <laughs> upgrade, I don't know what else you want. That's so, uh, it's not a push, Bruce. Are you sure it's not a push? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I feel very confident it's not a push. So if you take Zay Jones out, Stefan Diggs in. But it's not just that. It's also people like David Sills out, someone like Vic Bolden out, but then Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Hodgins in their place. So you have instead of undrafted rookies, you have drafted rookies in addition to the Zay Jones for Stefan Diggs swap. And I think that the ability of Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Hodgins to contribute in a meaningful way is more significant than that of David Sills and Vic Bolden Jr. So yes, the Zay Jones for Stefan Diggs swap is enough by itself to constitute a significant upgrade. Don't sleep on the fact that you're you're taking care of some undrafted bodies with drafted bodies. And that matters from a talent level standpoint. Okay. So we move on to tight end and this room is actually pretty similar, but we'll go ahead and go through here. 2019. We've got McQuan Dean, Jason Kroom, Tyler Croft, Nate Becker, Lee Smith, Dawson Knox, and Tommy Sweeney in 2020. It is, I believe, the same, except for we don't have Baquan Dean. So we've got Dawson Knox, Tyler Croft, Lee Smith, Tom Sweeney, Nate Becker, and Jason Kroom. Verdict. It's a push. 
I mean, there's no, there's no way you can say it's not a push using these rules. The only way that you could say it's an upgrade is if you're assuming improvement from Dawson Knox, which we already established in the guidelines to this discussion was not something we can do. Therefore, it's a push. All right. Now we got another even bigger room, which I uh, should have really saved my breath for this one. Okay. We're going to go to the offensive line, the offensive line room. Okay. In 2019, we had Mitch Morse. Spencer Long, Vlad Dukas. We had Garrett McGinn, Ike Botker, Russell Bodine, Quentin Spain, Connor McDermott, Cody Ford, Jeremiah Searles, Deion Dawkins, Adrian Waddell, Wyatt Teller, John Feliciano, Ty Inseki, and DeAndre Wesley. That was 2019. Now, as of today, we've got Mitch Morse, Deion Dawkins, Quentin Spain, John Feliciano and Cody Ford, Spencer Long, Ike Botker, Ty Inseki, Ryan Bates, Daryl Williams, Victor Salako, Evan Bame, Garrett McGinn, Trey Adams, Brandon Walton, and Markel Harrell. So a lot of the same, some change, but you know, uh, you can characterize it how you want. What's the verdict on these? I have the slightest of upgrades here because basically what you have is you added Daryl Williams and Evan Bame and they're experienced depth pieces, but you lost Jeremiah Searles, you lost Wyatt Teller, and you lost Adrian Waddle. Those are the big pieces of this, the pieces that I would expect to compete to be meaningful contributors and compete to make the roster. So if you're, again, you're not assuming improvement from Cody Ford, you're not assuming that. So I think it's the slightest if you have it, it's basically a 2v3 there, right? It's Searles, Wyatt Teller, and Ladrian Waddle versus Daryl Williams and Evan Bame. And I really liked Ladrian Waddle. I was very disappointed when he got injured. And so that hurts. But I think if we hadn't signed Evan Bame, this probably would have gone push or slight downgrade. But Daryl Williams and Evan Bame are both experienced depth pieces. They've played a lot of snaps and a lot of games, and I feel comfortable with the depth on this offensive line more so than I did last year. So for me, it's a slight upgrade. I, I'm surprised it's not just a, a you know a pretty comfortable upgrade with the movement from Adrian Waddle to Daryl Williams. I mean, Daryl Williams has had you know, really significant contributions as a starter. And Adrian Waddle was always a swing guy, right? With, with spot starting roles. So why, why is that not more of a significant move for you? Daryl Williams has not been good since 2017 at all. He's been bad, like markedly bad. Now there are reasons for his badness. They moved him all over the place to positions he probably wasn't comfortable with last year and the year before he was hurt. So there are reasons for his badness, but it's still been, it's coming up on three years since Daryl Williams was good. So you you can't just freeze that in time and assume we're getting 2017 Daryl Williams again, because I don't know if we necessarily are. So that's the reason why that doesn't make me feel more comfortable with that upgrade. All right. We finished one side of the ball. Let's go ahead and take a break. We will come right back and go through the defensive position rooms. Stick with us. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. 
That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Nick Bat, and along with me, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T. Bruce, where can they find you? At Bruce Exclusive. Okay. Defensive side of the ball. Uh, Let's start with, yeah, okay. We'll go ahead. We'll just start on the other side of the line. Okay. Defensive line. In 2019, the Bills at this point had Eddie Yarborough, Jerry Hughes, Mike Love, Eli Harold, LT Walton, Shaq Lawson, Ed Oliver, Daryl Johnson, Trent Murphy, Kyle Pecco, Robert Thomas, Jordan Phillips, Star Latulule, and Harrison Phillips. In 2020, we are at Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Trent Murphy, A.J. Epinesa, Daryl Johnson, Mike Love, Brian Cox Jr., Jonathan Woodard, Starla Tulele, Ed Oliver, Quentin Jefferson, Harrison Phillips, Vernon Butler, and Vincent Taylor. Take it away. This is a notable upgrade for 2020, which I think is a little surprising. If you would tell me that the Bills would have a notably upgraded defensive line this year, Without adding a first round caliber player, a first round pick anyway, you could make an argument that AJ Epinesa is a first round caliber player. I would be shocked, but really, this is a two for four deal. This is losing Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips, but then adding Jefferson, Addison, Epinesa, and Butler. That's impressive. You lost two people who played meaningful snaps for you last year, you added four people who project to play meaningful snaps for you this year. So that's a win. In fact, you could make an argument that even if it was two for two, depending on the two, you might still consider it an upgrade. You know, depending on how you felt about Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson, whether that's an Addison and Epinesa or a Jefferson and Butler or Addison and Butler, Epinesa and Butler, you might be able to take two of those and consider it a push or a slight upgrade. The fact that you were able to add four indicates to me that the depth on the defensive line is as good as it's been since Sean McDermott has been here. And it's a notable upgrade for 2020. Okay. Linebacker. In 2019, we had Maurice Alexander, Mo Alexander, Dion Lacey, Jawan Foggy, Tremaine Edmonds, Voshan Joseph, Julian Stanford, Corey Thompson, Tyrell Dodson, Lorenzo Alexander, and Matt Milano. In 2020, we've got Trey Edmonds, Matt Milano, AJ Klein, Corey Thompson, Voshan Joseph, Tyler Matikavich, Tyrell Dodson, Del Sean Phillips, and Mike Bell. What do we think on the verdict here? I have slight downgrade 
for 2020. In case you thought it was all sunshine, butterflies, and rainbows, and everything was going to be amazing across the board, not the case. I do think having Medikevich will help with the coordinators unit, Heath Farwell. And I think that he fills what they wanted Maurice Alexander to fill last year. But if you're trying to tell me AJ Klein is an upgrade over Lorenzo Alexander in three linebacker sets, I'm, I'm going to say no. I think we talked about that yesterday when we talked about nickel defender, how I think AJ Klein is a downgrade from Lorenzo Alexander in three linebacker sets. In addition, the versatility of Lorenzo Alexander matters. And so if you say, okay, I'm going to add Matikavich, who was going to fill the role that we wanted Maurice Alexander to fill last year, and then we swapped out Lorenzo Alexander for AJ Klein, I consider that a net downgrade. Now, it might be a slight one, but I would consider that a net downgrade. I would have liked to have seen us make a move at linebacker to shore up that depth in a way that we didn't. But Right now, I'm going to say slight downgrade for 2020. I think what's interesting is when you start to get to the downgrade sections, it's short of it, it. Sort of highlights who or what are the what are either the position groups or who are the players within those groups, which I think are kind of easy to determine. That Brandon Bean and his front office staff are kind of leaning on improvement through player development. Right, which in this yeah. case, really, I mean, the, the the options in this room, I guess you could say Corey Thompson, although I think he's been around long enough that there's a little bit of a known commodityness to him. But um, Tyrell Dodson, a guy who has gone through some off the field stuff that the Bills have chosen to stick by him, you know, would suggest they they must have a soft spot for him. And admittedly, I do too, actually, after watching him in the preseason last year. And Voshan Joseph, those are two guys who you know, may see spot responsibility, especially if there's an injury. Now they may be on the, maybe they're only special teams primarily, or maybe they are even starting on the practice squad and only being promoted on game day for the, the new 55 man versus 53 man rosters. But those are the two guys who are kind of the suspects that you think, are they an improvement? Otherwise your improvement options are AJ Klein and Tyler Matikavich, which, you know, uh, I, maybe there's mixed opinions on that, but it's not, you know, it's not an obvious open and shut case of improvement. Yeah, I think Tyrell Dotson and Voshan Joseph are clearly two of the winners of the offseason as far as opportunities on this roster. I think if we would have drafted a linebacker, then, you know, Voshan Joseph and Tyrell Dotson were going to have their opportunities to make an impression uh, lessened. And so I, I liked Voshan coming out. You and I talked about that. I liked Voshan as a weak side linebacker coming out. And yeah, but so, a lot of people a lot of people advertise him as a strong side. They advertised him as a as a Lorenzo Alexander heir, and that yeah. was probably never correct. I, I would argue that his skill set it's a little bit like the it's a little bit like the discussion that you and I had yesterday about Kyle Duggar. If you want to say, "Hey, he's an athlete; he can do it." Okay, that's fine. You know, I'll listen. But but the tape doesn't indicate that he did do it. He was at his best when he was see ball get ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get you the ball. Are you going to get me the ball? Oh, I'll get you the ball. I'll get you the ball. I hope he doesn't kill somebody. Which is what you and I have talked ad nauseum about Voshan Joseph and specifically see ball, get ball, his ability to flow to the ball. And that works out best as a weak side linebacker in a 4-3 defense. And so I actually think that there's a higher chance of Voshan Joseph being a hedge against Matt Milano leaving than there is him being a replacement for Lorenzo Alexander. Not to say he's on even close to being the caliber of Matt Milano, because we haven't seen that at this point from Voshan Joseph. But if you just look at what he did on film in college, 
that would seem to be a better fit for what he does. So I think that he and Tyrell Dotson are big winners of this scenario. And I would argue that if we hadn't signed AJ Klein, you could make an argument Tyrell Dotson might be the favorite to start in three linebacker sets. But given the fact that we basically subbed out AJ Klein for Lorenzo Alexander, I'm, I'm going to view this as a, as a slight downgrade. Yeah. And the money that we committed to AJ Klein to probably does hurt Tyrell Dodson's ability to, to participate and to, to get some snaps there because you've, you've obviously made, you know, a decision that telegraphs a certain kind of message about what you expect AJ Klein to do. But I really do, you know, with Tyrell Dodson's off field stuff too, maybe it wouldn't be wise to, you know, put all your eggs in that basket or not have some sort of suitable, you know, alternative. But I, I'm bullish on Tyrell Dodson. I, I really am. So I'm excited to see, well, you know, with the offseason being the way it is, who knows what opportunities really are going to come. But I, I like Tyrell Dodson on the field in between the white lines. I am reminded of the Ramon Humber saga with Ramon Humber and Matt Milano. And when Sean McDermott has a player at the second level that he just trusts, it's kind of hard to break through that. I mean, f- there was a long time when Ramon Humber was splitting snaps with Matt Milano. We were like, what are you doing? It's so obvious that Matt Milano is a serious player, but you know, Sean McDermott trusts him. And that sh- I have a feeling that Sean McDermott's going to have that level of trust for AJ Klein. So even if Tyrell Donson's a more dynamic option, even if Ochon Joseph is a more dynamic option in three linebacker sets, maybe potentially, you know, having Matt Milano play the strong side, which Lorenzo Alexander had commented that sometimes it's left and right, not necessarily strong side and weak side. And so sometimes, you know, Lorenzo ends up playing the will and Matt Milano ends up playing the Sam. And that, that happens sometimes, but there is a scenario where he might not be able to see the field and he being Tyrell Johnson or Fonshawn Joseph because of how much trust Sean McDermott has in AJ Klein because of their experience together. I feel that coming anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I, that is, that is the like buried depth chart depth player. That is my sweet spot for, a guy who could who could see the field and be a bit of a, a pleasant surprise is Tyrell Dodson. That's where my money is. The diamond in the rough. Defensive backs. 2019, we had Raphael Bush, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, Taron Johnson, EJ Gaines. Hard to believe we had. <laughs> He's still around. Tredavious White, Lafayette Pitts. Dean Marlowe, Saran Neal, Kevin Johnson, Denzel Rice, Ryan Lewis, Levi Wallace, Jaquan Johnson, and Cam Lewis. In 2020, we have Tredavious White, Taron Johnson, Levi Wallace, Josh Norman, EJ Gaines, although EJ wasn't necessarily with us a whole lot in between these two snapshots on the calendar, <laughs> Cam Lewis, Dane Jackson, Ike Brown, then we got the safeties, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, Jaquan Johnson, Saran Neal, and Dean Marlowe. What is our verdict at the defensive backfield? You knew this was coming, but I have this as a slight downgrade for 2020. The main swap here is Kevin Johnson for Josh Norman. So your opinion about Josh Norman's probability of recapturing the form that he hasn't shown since 2015, that's going to impact how you feel about this. If you feel that he's going to, you think this is an upgrade. If you feel that he's don't, he's not going to, which I don't, I've gone on record as that, saying that, then this is a downgrade. So I'm of the opinion that that is a net negative from an athleticism standpoint and as such a net negative from a talent level standpoint. Now, you have Dane Jackson, but it's a seventh round pick, right? Dane Jackson is not a markedly better prospect than someone like Denzel Rice, 
than someone like Ryan Lewis, than someone like Cam Lewis, right? He's a seventh round pick for a reason. So I would have been comfortable with him earlier, maybe a fifth or sixth round pick, but he's not uh, so good of a prospect that it allows you to make up the difference, whether positive or negative, that you view as being between Kevin Johnson and Josh Norman. It really is about Kevin Johnson and Josh Norman because, EJ, like you said, EJ Gaines is in both snapshots. So it's really how do you feel about Johnson and Norman? And for me, I think Kevin Johnson's a better player than Josh Norman. So I could end up being wrong, but again, this is an opinion piece. I have this as a slight downgrade for 2020. So now we have two position groups in a row that you would consider to be a slight downgrade, linebacker and defensive back. Yeah. And again, I think the situation is that McBean combined think differently than us about Josh Norman or think differently than you about Josh Norman. And then they're, they're betting on guys like Dane Jackson to come in and maybe be better than we expect. Although even Brandon Bean admitted that that was a, that was a pick for need. Uh, Cam Lewis is a guy who's coming back young in his career and maybe gonna have the opportunity to make some progress and gain some ground. That would, that would be very welcome. That would be nice if he pushed for a roster spot. And then you've got guys like, you know, Saran Neal, is he going to take a step? Jaquan Johnson, is he going to take a step? And and EJ Gaines, is he going to stay healthy? So it's all a big a b- bunch of what ifs. And if a couple of those land, then, you know, it may be. But on paper, I think your I think your verdict is is pretty fair. Okay. Specialists. In 2019, Stephen Hauschka, Corey Carter, Corey Bajorquez. Chase McLaughlin and Reed Ferguson in 2020, still Steven Hauschka, still Corey Bajorquez, still Reed Ferguson. But now we've got Tyler Bass and Kare Vedvik. What do we think? I have this as being a slight upgrade for 2020. I think Bass is a better prospect than Chase McLaughlin. And that tips my opinion on this room. Now, do I wanted, sorry, did I want a punter? Yes, I did. Do I think Kari Vedvik is the guy? No, but he's going to be playing the role of Kari, Corey Carter this offseason in the punter battle. And I think that there's a reasonable chance that Kari Vedvik is the punter because Corey Borges was not good last year. So I think there's a reasonable chance Kari Vedvik is the punter. And so if you look at it that way, if you look at the fact that we could have an, uh, a different kicker and a different punter this year than we did with the long snapper being brought in many years ago and still being on the team. So long fat, long snapper is a, is a constant, but if you assume that you brought in an upgrade at punter and you brought in an upgrade at kicker, now we don't know that the punter is going to be an upgrade, but he could be. Then I, I would, I'm inclined to say this is a slight upgrade for 2020. I think bass is better competition for Hauschka than McLaughlin was. And I think that Kari Vedvik is reasonable competition for Bohorkas, just like Corey Carter was reasonable competition for Bohorkas. So the really this boils down to how do you feel about Tyler Bass versus how did you feel about Chase McLaughlin? And I'm I'm prone to say that Tyler Bass is a better, better prospect on paper. So it's a slight upgrade in this position room for me. What if we take a step back and look overall? How is the overall roster on paper compared to where we were at this time last year, in your opinion? Well, I mean, if you look, if you start... And you start with the quarterbacks and you go, okay, quarterback, slight upgrade. Running back, notable upgrade. Wide receiver, significant upgrade. Tight end, push. Offensive line, slight upgrade. Defensive line, notable upgrade. Linebacker, slight downgrade. Defensive back, slight downgrade. Specialist, slight upgrade. 
that's way more upgrades than downgrades and in much more significant. The only two downgrades I had were both slight. There were no notable downgrades and no significant downgrades. So immediately you have something going up. For me, slight upgrade for the entire roster. I could be convinced. I went back and forth as to whether or not to talk talk about this as slight versus notable, but I decided to go slight upgrade for 2020. I would say it's better. It is better than the 2019 roster on paper. Now, if you if you start to add back in the things that we specifically left out for this exercise, potential growth from people like Dawson Knox and Cody Ford or Josh Allen, then all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, the Bills could be notably better as far as a talent standpoint than they were in 2019 if you factor those things in. Now, we all know that the team is going to go as Josh Allen goes. If Josh Allen doesn't take the next step, I don't think the rest of this really matters that much. But the goal of the GM is to surround the quarterback with talent. You and I talked about this when it came to quarterback tiering. We specifically said that we were going to tier quarterbacks by how much help they needed to win games. We said, okay, wins aren't a quarterback stat. Got that. How much help do you have to give them for them to win games? So we had, you know, significant help to reach playoffs, notable help to make Super Bowl, but can make playoffs primarily due to, or can win Super Bowl primarily due to, right? This is where we figure out what Josh Allen is. Because right now I have a theory. We're probably going to do another quarterback tiering episode and we will tier Josh Allen in that group. But if Josh Allen takes a step forward, we know full well that this is a more talented team. In fact, I would argue that we have provided Josh Allen with notable help. Notable help. That's what we've given him at this point. The question is, what is he capable of doing to take advantage of it? Because this is a notably talented team. This is not like the best, most talented roster in the league, but it's a notably talented team. And if Josh Allen is a good quarterback, he'll be able to make use of what we've given him. And that really is where this whole thing started is how well of a job did Brandon Bean do with his part? His part of the equation is I got to surround my quarterback with talented players. How good did he do? And the answer is he upgraded. All right. We will go ahead and leave it there. We hope that this helped you have a wonderful Friday as we are transitioning into the weekend here. Uh, I am Nick Bat, one of your co-hosts. That is Bruce Nolan, the other one of your co-hosts. You can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T. You can find me on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive. And... We will go ahead and transition. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. Brandon Bean has been doing a lot of media spots lately. Um, he's done the interview with Pardon Pardon My Take. He was with uh, the guys on WGR. He's done just, you know, as every GM right after after the draft. Everybody wants a little piece of what the thought process was and all that. One of the uh, lesser known interviews that, that Brandon Bean did was actually with a, a young kid from uh, Williamsville, I think it was, and they were doing a school project and uh, they got, they reached out to the Bills, wanted to interview Brandon Bean, I don't know if it was about his job or, or what it was, but uh, they, they were talking to him and the kid actually recorded the interview and it's really bizarre. I don't know exactly what the question was that the kid asked. I think it might have been something about like, what do you do in your spare time or something like that? You know, one of those, those canned questions, but this was the response that Brandon Bean gave him. I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. I like a do the cha-cha.